Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news, explained by your two funniest friends, which is us. Yes, and there's a lot of crazy shit happening in the news. That's true. But why don't we do some housekeeping up top? Yes. Okay, guys, we are still giving away gorgeous, wonderful stickers for screenshots. And as a reminder, all you have to do is post a screenshot of the Betcha Sub newsletter, the Betcha Sub Siesta, this podcast. Tag us in the screenshot and then DM us your address and you will get stickers. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of you, some of you have DM'd us or emailed about how, the fact that the sign up page was not working mm-hmm. and that some of you have not been receiving the email. We have been working on fixing those issues and the sign up page is working now. Hooray. If you have not, if you have not been receiving your email, try signing up again. If not, DM us. Let us know your, what your issue is. And just to give you a quick heads up, we will soon be giving away additional prizes for every friend that you refer to the SUP email yeah. and get to sign up. So look out for an email in your inbox in the next week or two announcing that this is now a program we're doing. You get like a portal and you can see how many of your friends signed up. It's really cool. So yeah. you can just, you know be the number one sub fan exactly and like if you're not already signed up for the newsletter sign up now so that you can recommend people once we start giving away the big prizes exactly and then you'll get the prizes they're gonna be cool they're like you know like a wine glass a makeup pouch like it's it's a portable wine glass that you can like bring with you to work so wow that's uh, those are all things that i personally need yeah so pop sockets with michelle obama on them Uh, you'll see i need a pop socket with michelle obama on it keep your eyes peeled okay elise what's been getting you through the week i voted today i went to my new polling place which is even closer than my old polling place which was very close to my apartment and i cast my vote and I got my sticker. I'll say right now, I voted for Cynthia Nixon. Me too. Uh, yeah. yeah. Voted for Cynthia Nixon right here in New York. I voted for Julia Salazar, which is like for North Brooklyn and Jumene Williams. And Zephyr Teachout. And, and Zephyr Teachout. Teachout. You know what? I voted yeah. for her and I think she's going to do a really great job if she wins. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Something that I, I marveled at when I went and voted this morning was how easy it was. Truly. It was so easy. It was one of the easiest things I've ever done. Yeah. Like it was way easier than like even getting a mobile order at Starbucks. It was like yeah. that level of simple. It took truly five but, minutes. Like not even. To, like, including walking there yes, five minutes. Like like all the total amount of time that was allocated to me yeah. voting was five minutes. And I had allocated 30 minutes just in case. Yeah. In my hypothetical schedule in my yeah. head. Okay. I was like, what What if there's a long line? So just a reminder, go to betches.co slash vote to mm-hmm. register to vote in the midterms. The mid- midterms are November 8th, 6th, 6th, 6th sorry. 6th. I no know problem. I read that every day, but they're November 6th. <laughs> It was November 8th was the bad Hell, election. Yes. <laughs> the one that we're trying to yes. fix. Yes. Yes. That's Not on November why. 6th so you can fix what happened on, on November, November 8th. 8th. Yes. So <laughs> Betches.co slash vote. We're partnering with Rock the Vote. And I mean, it really felt very good to vote. Yeah. It felt like very empowering. Yes. I think that that's one of the biggest lackings of why people don't vote. I think they, you know, they don't realize that it's sort of like an identity. Like I'm a voter. Like I'm mm-hmm. a wellness influencer. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm really into 
I don't know, not eating gluten. Yeah. Can I tell I'm you really something into voting. <laughs> that happened to me when I was when I finished voting? What? So I was standing in front of my train station trying to get my I voted selfie, which anyone who follows me will know. And ultimately, I chose a photo I took on the train. But <laughs> I was taking them outside. And a guy, like, cat called me, basically. He was like, yo, can I take a picture with you? And I was so elated from voting that I engaged with him. Holy fuck. And I said... I just voted and I'm taking a voting selfie. And then he came over to talk to me and I told him who I voted for. And then he asked for my number and I was like, well, did you vote? And he was like, no. And I was like, then you can't have it. And he couldn't have had it anyway. Cause I'm in a very long-term relationship where I live with my boyfriend and have a cat, but maybe I changed him. That's <laughs> Good. That, maybe that's, I changed him forever. That's real grassroots activism yeah. right here. Yeah. He, okay. Little does he know he never would have gotten the number, but I, I was like, I, I was like, him. this guy doesn't have a sticker. I know he didn't vote. I yeah. was like, well, did you vote? He's a cat caller. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, he's cat calling women outside the train. So like, I don't think that he like voted in the New York primary. No. This is <laughs> he definitely, should though. Yeah. This is definitely the most random quote unquote um, election that I've ever voted in. Voted in. Not yeah. just a primary. Like I would say before that, I would have voted in like the primary for the, the presidential yeah. election. But this time I voted in the primary for a state governor election yes. before the, in a midterm year, which is like, Honestly, I'm proud of myself. Yeah, I yeah. think I think it's gonna be huge, and I'm excited to watch those results come in. I looked at the polling, and it still says that Cuomo is pretty far ahead. But I listened to the NPR Politics podcast the other day, and they were saying that polling in primaries is like particularly bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. like more so than other things. Okay, well, so great. Who knows, Sammy? What's been getting you through this week? I have been reading Bob Woodward's new book, Fear. <sighs> and I, I I didn't get a physical book. This time I got it like on my Kindle delivered to my phone. Mm-hmm. So now um, anytime I'm not doing something else, I'm just reading the book. Yes. And it's like, okay, it's something that I'm going to just give you guys like a summary of it, my thoughts and everything. Um, so basically it's a very soberly written book. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like actual dense information about different foreign policy issues and different economic issues to explain the context behind why Trump is such a clueless, completely out of place president who has just no fucking clue what's going on because Mm -hmm. you, so I think Bob Woodward was explaining. So it's very different from like Michael Wolf's book or Omarosa's book because those are essentially like, tabloidy like they're yeah. little tabloidy like tell all right right they're like they're like highlights of these just like giant explosive moments like but the way that bob woodward handles it is that he gives like the build-up and the background and sometimes that builds up to certain moments where you know ivanka and steve bannon are bawling each other out in <laughs> the west wing yep the build-up to that wasn't just like it just happened like yeah. where like if you read michael wolf's book you might think like okay this just like they, they just came out of nowhere and in Bob Woodward's book, he's like explaining the specific reasons why they yell at each other. So it's much less exciting, but seeing it written in these like sober terms of how, like he's writing it as if you were writing about like anyone else, yeah. but you're writing about someone who just has no fucking idea what's going on. And I think that that's, what's like the main point of it yeah. is that he doesn't, really have a handle on his white house he doesn't have a handle on any sort of ideology or belief what pretty much his belief system 
for all of politics is like the United States is getting cheated. We need to like then do these, you know, we need to like kill Bashar al-Assad like because like he murdered babies. Like we need to just like, we need to get, we need to put all these tariffs and like break all these trade agreements because like we're getting a bad end of the deal. And then you have his advisors who like are actual experts mm-hmm whatever they're not like maybe they're not the top people who should be advising the president but they know but, a little more but they they <laughs> actually know like gary Cohn actually knows about like yes. economic and trade policy like he yeah. actually understands it so you have people who are trying to like explain to this this president that there's like a reason for why we're in these trade agreements and why there's only X amount of military yes. options and you can't just like strike whenever you feel like it. Cause you got upset about something that happened. Well, and as we yeah. learned in Amorosa's book, he cannot process complex yeah. information. Right. So. right. So he, he doesn't like have a belief system. He does have consistent things. Like there's one thing where he's like, I've always said that the United States was getting tr- cheated in trade deals. He's, he's like, I've thought this way for 30 years and Gary Cohn's like, well, that doesn't fucking matter, Mr. President. Yeah. And it's, you, realize that he doesn't have an ideology or a belief or any knowledge of anything he just has like defense mechanisms which is like i'm being cheated and like i need to like aggress and i need to do something and seeing this book which is like very clearly heavily investigated heavily researched he had something like 700 hours of of or 700 pages of interviews with just like one person i think it's gary Cohn because he's really up in this book um and you you really see how people that we thought were like evil, like Rob Porter, for example, were are really like genuinely trying to like put things back on the rails. Mm-hmm. And it's just impossible because he has his Twitter account. Yeah. And the Twitter account and, and everyone's leaking. It's just like a completely dysfunctional friend group that's yeah. trying to like run the country. But no one has the requisite experience. No, no one like there's not enough institutional experience. Like literally the state department, Rex Tillerson is talking about how he's just like, there's no one for him to, to there's, there's not people in the roles. Yeah. And they Trump's haven't like, even I don't the care. Positions. We're not filling the role. Like we're not doing that. Like he just like people come to him with problems. And if it's not like an immediate, like we're just going to like do a missile strike that he thinks makes sense in his like completely out of context adult mind mind yeah he just yeah it's a very like sober telling of it it's that was like that's Mm -hmm. really like my number one like feeling and i put i posted some excerpts on the instagram story i'm gonna continue to do so um it's just it's not as like sensational i forgot you posted this on insta story and said that you had forgotten it had happened i had also forgot this happened that during the campaign trump gave out Lindsey graham's phone number yes he i completely forgot that he did that yeah one of the things That's like I've what rob did to black china <laughs> didn't he like give yes. out her phone number yes one of the things i've learned from this book is that i don't hate Lindsey graham as much as i thought i did Lindsey graham just keeps going like i I know like he and John McCain were buddies and I think he like is constantly pulled in the direction of being like a John McCain or being like a terrible man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think his, I think Lindsey Graham's like life is an inner struggle between those two things. And sometimes he does really funny stuff. Like say you could kill Ted Cruz on the floor of the Senate and no one would yeah. convict you. <laughs> right. He seems like a fun guy. Like someone apparently, funny. someone apparently like recommended he be friends with Lindsey Graham. Cause he's like fun. 
like because he's like not boring he's like yeah like mr president like you're gonna find all these other guys like pretty boring like but you're gonna like Lindsay. Lindsay. Lindsay's fun yeah so but check I out wish, the excerpts i wish that Lindsay graham would like stick to his original assessment of trump which I was that he was a lunatic them, i know all of them should if they had stuck to their original assessments and it seems like they are it's just it's a disaster they honestly. do in their hearts in their hearts they accept they know the original assessment is true i mean they do to each other they all talk about behind like they're all like in these like it's weird they're all in like cahoots it's like the op-ed said like they're basically all in cahoots to like make sure that like the bad random idea that trump got got in his head that he like just doesn't do it like they have like all these weird plans they're like oh yeah he'll like ask for like a proposal to like kill some someone and then like Bashar al-Assad yeah. let's say he'll ask for a proposal and then like McMaster and Mattis Mattis seems like pretty rational mm-hmm. in the book so does McMaster they'll like go behind his back and be like you know we obviously you know can't let this happen how are we gonna like slow walk this plan to him so that he hopefully either like forgets, forgets. about it <laughs> or like we make it because he won't be told like we can't do that because of like our allies. We can't do that. Like we can't pull out our troops from South Korea because then the North Koreans, we won't be able to put our missile detection system there. And then the North Koreans could literally bomb LA. Yeah. So things like that. He's like, but we don't, I don't want to pay all this money to like have our missile system there. It's like, it's not there to give the South Koreans money. It's there to protect us. Yeah. He doesn't get that. Like he doesn't, he doesn't get it. Like he literally doesn't get it. I think it's so funny that they basically all treat him like the same way anyone treats. Like when you make plans, that you didn't really intend to follow through on. And you're just like, well, I'm going to say yes to this, but I hope they just forget on the day. <laughs> like, right. Like on the day of, like, I'm just going to say I'm sick. Like, yeah. I don't, like this is definitely not happening, but I'll agree yeah. to it in this moment. It's exactly that. So if you want to see some excerpts, check out our Instagram story or get the book. It's yeah. really interesting. Um, so let's go to the main news. Yes. Okay. So we have a quick update right now on Brett Kavanaugh's hearings. So um, the vote for the Senate Judiciary Committee has been postponed until next Thursday at 1.45 p.m. So uh, apparently this is like uh, a normal procedure. Like it was like this vote was expected to be postponed. It's not like because of problems, but it does give people another week to call their senators, especially Murkowski and Collins or any of those red state Democrats. Maine and Alaska. Maine and Alaska. We're looking at you. Also, just in general, be calling. We still, like, it's not a done deal. And I know that I personally have felt like it's done. They're going to get this guy. But the thing is, it's not. Number one, we have stopped stuff that seemed like a done deal before. And number two, let's just go back to that voting thing. Because if we take back the Senate... Supreme Court nominees can be impeached also. And there are also two, there are already two cases that Democrats are pushing that basically allege that Kavanaugh perjured himself while he was uh, giving, one of them was like during his current testimony and one of them occurred in the past. But there are two cases where people think he perjured himself. So vote, vote, vote. Call your senators. Call your senators and vote. Okay. Another thing that got postponed is Paul Manafort's trial because he may be working on a plea deal. And with, I don't have more information about that because I'm sure it's a secret. Yes. But um, with that, let's Watch move to some space. Russia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's move. Let's move on to some more Russia stuff because oh we have God. an interesting update that's not getting a lot of play. 
But BuzzFeed reported yesterday that there were they they have detected activity of suspicious payments that were made after that Trump Tower meeting in 2016, mm-hmm. the one that they claimed they didn't have, and then they claimed it was about Russian adoptions, and now they admitted that they have it, but there's nothing wrong with having it. So it's kind of complicated, but I'm going to give you the gist. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there were two flurries of suspicious financial transactions. One occurred 11 days after that Trump Tower meeting in 2016, and the other occurred just after the election in November Mm -hmm. once Trump was elected. So this essentially, so there was a lot of money being being routed from various places with Russia as one endpoint and a random account in New Jersey belonging to someone named Aris El Agalarov, who is one of Trump's longtime business associates in Russia. He went there, I believe, in 2013 to discuss with Aris El Agalarov um, about how to make like a Moscow, a Trump Tower Moscow. Yes, which is something. Trump Tower Moscow. Yeah. His pie yeah. in the sky, the Trump yeah. Tower that never was. Exactly. So just to give you a little background on who is this guy, he is one of the Kremlin's favored real estate developers and he received the Order of Honor from Putin in 2013, which is one of the highest civilian awards in Russia. Mm. 2013 also being when like they went for like the Miss America thing. Yes. And it's like, so Aguilarov and Trump go way back. So basically what happened is Aris Agalarov used overseas accounts to filter money to himself, his son, Eamon Agalarov, who's like this random pop star. Yes, that's what I was, I like read that and I was like, wait, he's a pop star? And also wasn't and Trump person- was in one of his music videos. Like, and he said like, you're fired, like some bullshit. <laughs> so he used this, he used these overseas accounts in shell companies that you can't really see who owns them to get money to himself, his son, and at least two people who attended the Trump Tower meeting. Um, this was more than $19.5 million that were wired from him to an account at a bank in New York. And this happened to be on the same day that Paul Manafort was put in charge of Trump's campaign. I don't know if that's related or a coincidence, but it is the second suspicious payment was for $1.2 million. It was in a bunch of smaller payments, but it all amounted to Mm -hmm. 1.2 million. And it was from the Aguilar family from their bank in Russia to an account in New Jersey. The account had been dormant for like over a year. So since the summer of 2015 and then that New Jersey account sent money to a company that was, that's owned by, one of their other associates, another Aguilar of associate, but the guy, that guy was actually at the Trump tower meeting in 2016. So basically this is how they, this is something, the the way that they put it is Mm -hmm. that the buzz you put it is like, why does this money come from Russia, make a pit stop in an account in New Jersey and then go to this Aguilar of friend who was at the Trump tower meeting. Yeah. Yeah, so the way that they found this is that law, that in 2017, law enforcement officials who were looking into potential collusion told banking institutions to go that that were involved with the Trumps and all his, you know, Russia related yeah. people like the Aguilaras to look for suspicious behavior between those accounts. So they what the banks did is they filed something called suspicious activity reports, mm-hmm. which are often used in like money laundering cases and that sort of thing. And those suspicious activity reports got routed to the FBI, the IRS, the congressional committees who were who were investigating Russian interference and to Mueller. So that, yeah, I I mean, I always knew that like 
there would be a payment. Like I, yes. I always knew it was going to go there. It was just a question of like, how direct is this payment? Like how, like how clearly suspect is it? Like whether it's like very close in time or it's like for a certain amount. But it seems like this may be, I'm sure Mueller has known about this. Yeah. For, he has for a yeah. long time. So, so I guess my question is like, so the idea is that this payment is money that was being laundered to give to the Trump campaign potentially, or to give to what I think it might be is okay. I think it might be the Trumps. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, it's not coming directly from him. Yes. But I think it's coming from Aguilarov to the person who, to like the person who was attending at the meeting. Okay. I'm not, it's, it's not really clear. Yeah. That's cause it's like all this shady stuff and it's like clearly, I mean, this has money laundering written all over it. Like the way that the money is being moved around in this dormant account and and all this stuff. But I'm like, but what was its purpose? Well, well, typically banks, right. Typically banks know the purpose of like such large sums of money, like what they're for, because that is how you prosecute money laundering. It's like, depending on what it's for is what makes it laundered or legitimate. So it's not totally clear what it's for or who is, you know, I think that also a lot of it was using shell companies. Yeah. So it's not really clear who's passing what to whom. Yeah. But I mean, it seems very sketchy that like these Russian associates are like suddenly involved in this money moving scheme. Exactly. And that the money is moving at the exact same time that this like in, I mean, it's infamous now meeting is taking place. I mean, it could be the Aguilarovs paying on behalf of the Trump campaign to someone who's taking care of the actual like election tampering. Yes. Or the person who's like leaking these email or actually like getting the right. It could be right. It could be like a WikiLeaks pay. It could be a payment to WikiLeaks. It could, it, I think that this will not be the end of this payment. I think this is the beginning of a story. Yes. And you know, Buzzfeed was the, they were the ones who put out the dossier. So I mean, I think that this is going to be just the beginning and we will continue to keep you updated on these, on this money. Yeah. It's it's around $20 million. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, we don't know what it was for. We don't know the exact purpose, but we do know that $20 million came in from Russia on the eve of the Trump tower meeting. And then, more right after More the election. right after the election. So it seems sketchy. What's that about? Yeah, we're going to keep you updated on this. It seems like it's not totally laid out. But again, there's time. Mm-hmm. There's time. Um, so I have another update mystery. for us. And it's it's sad. So brace yourselves. Um, so the New York Times reported last night that uh, the number of migrant children in camps is basically higher than it's ever been. It's increased exponentially. There is this month. There are twelve thousand eight hundred children currently being held in federal detention centers. It last May. So May of 2017, there were 2,400. So there are 10,000 more children being held. A lot of them are being held in these tent cities. Uh, They cost about, these facilities cost about $750 per child a day or three times the amount of a typical shelter. So it's another one of those weird situations where it's like we're actually paying more to do this. Right. Well, this is a president who lost money in the casino business. So I don't think that he like really has the the P&L 
totally under wraps. No. But and, yeah, go ahead. Um, and the, another thing, because this was something I wanted to look up. So the, these children are a mixture of kids that were separated from their parents who have not, who were deemed ineligible for release. And that can be for a number of reasons, being that they already deported the parent. They don't know who the parent is. The They don't have relatives who can come pick them up. And then other kids, undocumented kids who arrived by themselves. So it's that combination of separated kids and unaccompanied minors that are like, that are all included in this number. And one of the things that has created or exacerbated this problem, I should say, because the problem was created long ago, is that the Trump administration put in this new rule saying that if you want to be a sponsor for one of these undocumented kids, if you're saying like, oh, I'm a family member, I'm a family friend, whatever, I'm going to come pick them up, you have to agree to be fingerprinted and that that information then goes to ICE. So obviously a lot of the people who are potentially sponsors probably also are undocumented or have a tenuous legal status. Maybe they have a green card that could get renewed or not renewed. Either way, if I was, if my immigration status, if I was like coming from Mexico or Central America and my immigration status was up for debate, I would not give my fingerprint to the fucking Trump administration. Definitely. But also it doesn't even matter if you're a citizen anymore. No. Because as we reported, I think last week or two weeks ago, yeah. they are basically questioning the passports of Hispanic citizens. Yes. In and border towns. questioning their birth certificates. So I wouldn't even give it if I knew I was a fully legitimate citizen exactly. because their definition of that is not the same as everyone else's. They're basically making it so that there it's like, okay, you can come get these kids out of the detention centers, but you have to declare yourself to ice. And we know that ice is prosecuting people on insane levels. Now we know that they're using this kind of information to do bad things. So, I mean, it's a horrible situation where it's like, okay, am I going to save this kid from the detention center and then potentially risk being deported myself? And then what happens to this kid? Do they get deported with me? Do they go back to the detention center? Like it's right. You know, it's just a crazy situation. So um, that's just an update to say like this situation is still ongoing. And I feel like it's one of those things where this is some Holocaust shit. Yes. This is literally when I read this article, I was like, this is literally Holocaust shit. This is like when they were taking away business licenses from Jews and they were putting them in the ghetto and they're like, oh, it's nice. It's fine. Like, yeah. It, you're all just be there together. This is, it doesn't start with putting people in ovens. It starts with like sketchy moving things them like out, this. Moving them out of the area, getting them out of the viewpoint of most everyday people. Like it's not, now they're in these detention centers. Apparently we have five times the number of children detention centers now than we did previously. Well, okay. That actually ties into our one more thing. So yes. we can, we can move on to that, but this is, so this is kind of like a, a crossover. One more thing that has a lot to do with several different things. So yes. as we know, hurricane Florence is about to hit the Carolinas and Virginia. Yes. Um, the national weather service calls it a storm of a lifetime, but it was downgraded to a category two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yesterday, Senator Jeff Merkley went on Rachel Maddow and he released these documents that show that $10 million were allocated from FEMA this summer to ICE to pay for detention centers. And he showed on these documents that there are actually line items saying that he that they were using this money to build family internment camps so to deter people from coming here so that they're not going to separate the children anymore they're just going to detain the entire families now but they're using the money that is typically used for like 
natural disaster relief. So, I mean, obviously FEMA and the Trump administration came out and said, this isn't true, but like, I don't know. It seems like he has the receipts. You guys could Google and decide for yourselves. Also, if the Trump administration comes out and says, this isn't true, that's the number one sign to me that something is in fact true. Like, like, I just can't. They, I, I like truly, I can't even think of a time where they have not been lying. Yeah, it's like it's the bread and butter of the administration. So I can't. And it seems aligned with their stated priorities, which is to get rid of brown people and just and dispel belief about climate change. Yeah. And and like, I mean, and it's crazy because you have to think like I've been reading a lot about this storm. I was going to go to Richmond, Virginia this weekend. I'm no longer going. How dare. (sighs) I know. So rude of the storm. But uh, they've had to evacuate one million people in total like the the thing about the storm is it did downgrade to a category two but the problem with it isn't really because the categories are about like wind speed and stuff it's not really the wind speed that is worrisome it's the fact that the storm is gonna make landfall and then just chill and linger over the carolinas for several days it's supposed to um I heard they're going to pass. It's going to be like five different high tides or yes. four high tides throughout the storm. And what that does is it basically brings the water inland and inland. Mm-hmm. So you're, it's going to look like her, like hurricane Harvey yeah. and hurricane Katrina. Yeah. I read 10 million gallons of rainwater. That's crazy. That, yeah. So it's really, it's less about the winds and more about just like the prolonged flooding situation right. um, i mean there's different ways that you can get fucked by a hurricane it could be a tree it could be the flooding it yeah. could be the winds like it could be debris it, there's so many different the storm surge yes. like there's so many different ways that the storm could screw you up and cause destruction yes which was evident by the high death toll that we saw in puerto rico yes which brings us to the final one more thing of this episode, which is that President Trump tweeted today saying that 3,000 people didn't actually die in Puerto Rico and that that number was made up by the Democrats to make him look bad. Right. He's claiming that basically anyone who died since that they're counting anyone who died since the hurricane. But like, yeah, because those people died because they weren't able to get medicine because of the lack of infrastructure after the hurricane, because there was no recovery. Yeah. They weren't able to people who were on dialysis. And we, I mean, as you guys know, we went to Puerto Rico two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and we're coming out with a video next week for the anniversary. And something that one of the people we interviewed said that just, because there was no power for like a year, people who were on dialysis couldn't get dialysis. So all these people who died like from other conditions, they were directly caused by the lack of assistance in the recovery. Yeah, exactly. And also there was just, and and this you'll see people talk about it in our video, which we're going to release. There was no power for such a long time that it was hard. He, cause one of the things he said in his tweet was like, when I was down there, they said it was like 16 people. And then they start saying it's 3000. And it's like, yeah, cause no one could talk to each other. Like there were no, you couldn't call anybody. There was no internet. Like you don't, we, you can't figure out how many people died because like it took nine months to get power back to the island. So obviously the death toll is going to like more, more information is going to come out in that time when people can finally like actually share information. Right. Here's the thing. If someone in a hurricane gets hit by a tree, that's it's very tragic, Mm -hmm. but that's not our fault. 
Yeah, like, that's you can't control like what if someone's out, out of their house and then gets injured by the hurricane. Yes, those maybe those 64 deaths were not the fault of the United States. No, they, but those deaths since be, that were due to the failed recovery. Those are absolutely the fault of the United States yes. because those are things that could have been prevented. Those yes. are things that like had they actually gotten resources to them maybe could have been prevented. And he had said earlier this week that actually Puerto Rico was an unsung success and one of the best jobs that had ever been done. (laughs) One of the best jobs that had ever been done, which is so, I mean, it's so far beyond. He's like, what? I went down there. I brought the paper towels. Literally the last thing in the world (laughs) they needed was was paper paper towels. towels. What are they going to do? Absorb the flooding? Yeah, He's like, well, it's wet down there. And I brought him the paper towels. Oh my God. Did you see that he was like calling like he's like the hurricane Florence is tremendously big and tremendously yes. wet. Like, he doesn't Ew. know how to talk about anything. Like he <laughs> actually like I, I said this in the sup earlier this in our newsletter, which everyone should sign up for earlier this week because he did the double fist bumps when going to the 9-11 memorial. Jeez. And I was like, he's just physically incapable from behaving appropriately in any manner. Like he does not have like any sort of like emotional. He's just out of touch emotionally. Yeah. As you, and again, if you guys want to like really get a, get a flavor for it, read the book. Yeah. Bob Woodward's book. Yeah. Okay. Um, well that brings us to the end of the episode guys. T- uh, keep an eye out for that video cause it's going to be really great. And we're really excited to show you everything that we learned in Puerto Rico. Make sure to screenshot so that you can get your stickers, sign up for the bitches Sup newsletter and go to betches.co slash vote to get registered to vote. That was an amazing promotional right? series. Good job. <laughs> wow. Right. We really wrapped it up. Okay, guys. Uh, until the end of democracy, I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Fishbine. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast. Bye. Betches.